From the soil comes sustenance. Sowing good seeds results in reaping positive benefits. Empowerment and sustainability should drive all of us to change. I'm Joey Bland, and from Circle O Productions, this is Seasons. Since y'all, I'd, I'd like to go a little bit deeper and talk a little bit more. You had quite extensive educational experience with this, sounds like fabulous high school you went to. And while you're majoring in kind of the business finance side, you're over moonlighting a little bit with the agricultural kids. And then you go and you go to Tennessee State University again this uh, land grant institution so you're majoring in history and geography but you're again around agriculture and people that are studying agriculture and the things that are going on and then you get this master's in city and regional planning and you just mentioned before about kind of tying together the importance of land and and the way cities are planned and all of this. So I'd like to hear a little bit more of your thoughts on that whole area. So, like I said, I've been truly blessed to work in over 23 cities, both international and um, national cities. Wow. I, I kept seeing a common thread, two things, land and agriculture and education. Really? And if residents don't have access to quality food, nutrition, the, the the green space to run and be free to be able to have their backyard gardens if they can't get quality education the quality of life your quality of life is just going to decrease you're not going to have a lot of um, financial opportunity due to your limited education your health and your physical and mental health is impacted when you don't have nutrition clean air green space i mean have you ever just been so stressed out during the work weekend on a weekend take a walk in a park or take your shoes off and you have a big backyard and kind of get your feet in the soil, yeah. it rejuvenates us. It, right. it kind of mellows mellow us out and give us opportunity to do some reflection. And so I was seeing that, whether I was in New York City upstate or Manhattan, or if I was in L.A. or Seattle, Washington, it was always those common threads. And when I started working with communities to do community redevelopment and we would create these prior to prioritization plans of what they want to put up on the wish list food land access and like climate justice always came up Mm -hmm. um, regardless of who I was dealing with whether it was a black community a Hispanic community or a white community rural or urban Mm -hmm. and so that's what really got me to start thinking about how can I enter weave all these different components because they're all interconnected if you're going to do comprehensive equitable community development you just can't focus on housing you just can't focus on access to health care you have to focus on all elements that makes a a, a human being healthy and thrive right and so that's what really kind of got me to look into opportunities where i can learn more about agriculture and tie that into the overall planning process wow that's interesting that you saw that connection in all these different places Mm -hmm. that the two things were land and ag and then education and the way it really impacts people's lives. I think we overlook that a lot of times. You know, we we complain about our healthcare system, we complain about cost and all of this, and yet 
there's so much that relates back to the land. It relates back to what we're putting in our bodies. And mm-hmm. Thankfully, today, it really seems like people are a lot more interested in where their food's coming from and how it's grown and the practices that people have. And then the farmers that I work with. And um, I'm seeing a lot more people using things like cover crops yes. and uh, different things that I think are much healthier, much better best practices to use. And so that is great. Now, you, you've mentioned before that your career path led you to working for this organization, Heifer International, that is based in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is two hours from where we sit right now. It's it's one of the hubs of this region. Tell us a little bit more. Heifer International is a very interesting organization, a very large organization that I'm going to venture I guess that very few people that are maybe listening to us right now have heard of it. And if they have heard of it, maybe uh, even know what it is. So fill us in on Heifer International. Well, Heifer International has been around for a while. Um, this year would make their 75th year of That's operation. <laughs> when I worked there, they were celebrating 65 years. Um, and then there were, they're in so many countries. I think at the time it was over 60 countries. Um, that they were in, and our founder was Dan West. At the time, I um, was there because I'm a lover of history as well. I studied everything I could, and what really impressed me about Dan West is that he understood that you can give people food, (laughs) and they'll keep coming back for food, but if you give them animals and seeds, they can sustain not only themselves, but their whole family. So he was about empowerment and about sustainability. Um, and if you dive deep into the history of heifers, very, very fascinating. And I urge everyone to go to their website and check it out. But I think what was amazing to me is that when I started working there, they were so welcoming and they really put a high priority on professional development. So I had minor experience with agriculture, but I really was drinking from the fire hose (laughs) working there. And so I was with the Seeds of Change program and we were trying to establish a USA base um, in Arkansas Delta in the Appalachia region um, to help producers improve their um, production by using sustainable or, or organic methods, but also increasing their bottom line so they can build wealth. And that was very important to our mission at the time. And so I was put in the Arkansas Delta, um, East Arkansas to be exact to begin with. And then I ventured out to meet farmers in Mississippi, Tennessee, and Louisiana. But while I was in Arkansas, I was blessed to be side by side with many, we call them producers, but yep. you all would know them as farmers, right. um, on their on their farm, learning about row cropping, um, high tunnels or hoop houses or hot houses, depending on where part right. of the world you are, um, became very popular during the time I was there. And so we were helping them gain funds from the USDA to get these high tunnels to increase production and to minimize the amount of pesticides and fungicides that they were putting on the fruits and vegetables. And the memory that always sticks with me during my time at Heifer is that we had a um, an elementary school come out to one of the farmers farm to see him start to pick um it was carrots and they didn't know where carrots came from they thought carrots came from the grocery store that's what the little kids would say and then when he pulled that first carrot out the ground the whole class squeal with joy like it was like a magic (laughs) trick to them like oh my god our 
come from dirt? And they were so like excited and jumping up and down. And when they had their first berry and they ate purple hull peas, they was just fascinating. I'm pretty sure we um, recruited some future farmers in that group. Yeah. But that always warmed my heart when I think about young people and when they really learn about agriculture or to be able to touch livestock like a, a baby goat or hold a baby chick in their hands yes it really changes you as a person you become more connected with the land with nature and with yourself and for those that believe in a higher power you understand we're not alone because this is this is magical (laughs) like how how can a seed grow into something on my plate and so um i really learned so much not only from the people we were serving but just the art of growing in a way that preserve and conserve nature because we only get one planet and it's very important that we take care of it because it gives us so much back in return yeah yeah wow you know my educational experience um which i have to admit uh my philosophy was the path of least resistance (laughs) and the quickest way to uh get out of education but had i experienced what you're talking about um with the animals with the uh if if i would have had science class that would have really tied to the field and some of the things going on i think it would have really gotten my interest level up quite a bit so that's fascinating to hear and so the seeds of change program that you were involved in did you see many people i'm always interested in this because our region a lot of people don't realize this in our region of the mid-south there is very very little food that is grown for consumption Everything is really grown for uh, feed, for animals' uh, feed. So if you're driving through the Delta and you're seeing um, a cornfield, most of that is, is by and large being grown for, for animal feed, and it's not something that you'll ever see on your, on your plate. But yet there are a few people that have diverted and – they are growing food, and some of them are even doing it uh, organically. And so did you see some – did you have some success with that? Because it's very difficult – boy, there's so many layers of, of issues here. But it's very challenging for a farmer to go from being a row crop farmer, a commodity farmer, because we have the infrastructure set up to support that – And we really don't have an infrastructure set up to support people growing food, as odd as that sounds. But did you experience some success with people making some transition in that or impacting them in that way? Definitely. Um, And I'll get back to the policy issue around that in a second. But we did. We taught producers how to diversify their um, production. And don't, we're not saying abandon row crops because right. that's your, you know, you've been sustaining yourself on that method for a very long time. But start off slow um, and, and introduce livestock if you have the acreage for that. Um, and not only introduce livestock, but specialty crops. That's what we call fruits and vegetables that we consume. Right. Um, but the real money comes when you value add that crop. Um, and so, yes, you can grow a whole bunch of tomatoes, but you'll get a premium if you make that tomato into a salsa or a spaghetti sauce. Um, and that way they can be profitable while they're doing this this 
phase of diversification. Right. And so that was the methodology that we used, but we also had to target the markets. Um, we need big business and small bus- businesses to give local producers the opportunity to get their goods into those shops. And so it was a two-pronged approach. We worked with the producers to strengthen their production methods, but we also worked with the market to create a space for them to grow these fruits and vegetables, livestock, and value-added goods. Right. And then you were going to make a couple of comments about policy. Policy, yeah. yeah. You're right. A lot of ag is subsidized for commodity production, but very little. And I think the tide is shifting. I've seen some new yes. grants, opportunities, and training courses come out of the USDA that we have to sustain ourselves as a nation. We can't keep relying on importing our needs. And food is vital. We don't have food, we die. And so how can we create better policies and strengthen local economies to accommodate producers that want to produce the food that we need, everybody needs, not just for high-end restaurants, but everyday citizens. But most importantly, and I've made sure in every role I've ever had since I've been a planner, if I'm able to make funding decisions, I fund projects that help people learn how to grow their own fruits and vegetables and have small livestock on their land they already have, If even if they're in an urban neighborhood. Because if the system breaks down, you can sustain yourself and your family by producing your own food. And right. that's vital. Right. And I don't think any, if you had said this to me uh, prior to March of 2020, I'm not sure that I could have envisioned a scenario where I couldn't go to the grocery store. And get what I wanted to get. But then having gone through the pandemic now and walking in and store shelves being empty and uh, and then also just my personal research and with some indoor farming and going and tasting products that just blow your mind, uh, the flavors and everything that they are producing where, again, the stuff that we're consuming from the grocery store by and large is um, grown for shelf life. And so that's interesting that you were able to see some real progress with growers. And we've got quite a few. I guess I'll just take a second to plug these farmers markets that we have. I, I will say this. You have to be careful. I always say this to people. Don't be fooled. A farmer's market doesn't mean everything there is grown by farmers. Indeed. Uh, there are a lot of people that are at farmers markets that are food distributors. And all that means is, is that they are calling around and finding places to source food and bring stuff in. Mm-hmm. So they may well be buying from the same people that a large grocery store chain's buying from that's bringing stuff in from Arizona or the Salinas area of California. Um, And so you really want to make sure that if you're at a farmer's market, engage with those people and engage and find out who are the growers. And we, again, uh, a negative if you're in the Memphis community is that we have very few farmer's markets. We are really being outpaced, certainly by Atlanta, Mm -hmm. but Nashville, which which has just kind of streamed past us like a bolt of lightning, I feel like, in growth has um, a ton more farmer's markets and a ton more fresh food that's available. And the real negative is, is that we've got people that grow in this area. I know particularly one in Selmer, Tennessee. I know one in Ripley, Tennessee, that are um, 
now sourcing more of their products in Middle Tennessee and specifically, you know, the Nashville area, Franklin, because they've got some great farmers markets up there. And it's a much better, I mean, growing food's hard. I mean, it's a hard business and they've got a much better opportunity. So anyway, that's my little quick plug on uh, frequenting your farmers markets here in Memphis, but also in the Memphis area, but also uh, talk to them, engage and, and know who you're buying from. Um, well, Sinchel, any, any thoughts? Like, do you have places that you, you kind of like buying food around this area that you kind of make a recommendation since I got off on a tangent there? I'm glad you asked. Um, not only just locally, I go to the farmers markets that's downtown, but there are CSAs and they're online CSAs now, which is community supported agriculture. So right. you pay a monthly fee and then you get, you know, access to baskets or boxes with the fruits and vegetables um, that's produced. But it also helps supports the farmer if there is like a natural disaster and things of that nature. They have that money to kind of lean on and continue production for you and your families. Um, but also growing yourself. I grow myself. Is very important. Seeds are very cheap. It does take time. But also, I think agriculture is about discipline and patience. Yep. And the, if you reap, well, if you harvest, well, what is it? You reap good yeah. seeds, you're going to harvest a bountiful um, pr- produce. And so it really just shows to me the importance of learning how to grow food ourselves so we won't have to p- depend on a system that's so fragile and oftentimes volatile. I know everybody has has experienced sticker shock when they saw those eight to nine dollar eggs but if you had a couple of um, chickens in your backyard <laughs> that wouldn't be such a, a major right. you know shock and fruits and vegetables are really good for us and if you grow it yourself you're getting something that's very nutritious and not something that has traveled four or five sometimes a week across the country or internationally to get to your plate so it's just it's very important and i will leave the viewers or listeners rather with the ideal of learning it's really simple um and you'll be surprised every city and major city in our nation has an extension office and they provide free classes sometimes or they charge you a small fee to learn not only how to grow fruits and vegetables but if you want to get into beekeeping to make your own honey if you want to grow chickens and have goat milk in your backyard you can do that so take advantage of those opportunities Sinchelle was significantly impacted by her years with Heifer International seeing the intertwined nature of land and people with empowerment and sustainability as a constant focus seeds of change can occur at seasons podcast Our purpose is to educate people about land investment with the goal of seeing a hundred people who don't currently own land become landowners. Our method is helping people reconnect with land through hearing other people's stories. For more information, go to our website, delta-farmland.com. Thank you for joining us today.